The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey there, folks. Thank you so much for being a part of my program, Afternoons with Mike on the Shepherd Radio Network. And with me, I've got a couple of guys. I respect these men so much. Uh, With me today, Pete Fulch. Pete is a trainer. He's been on uh, many times on my program with me. Um, I think back, Pete, we were sitting in this very room, Studio A at the Shepherd Studios, uh, when it was a dark time for you. It was COVID. It was a dark time for everybody. But the company that you had been with uh, had just, you know, you'd been on my show once before already, but they had just given you the word that, that you, like many other people during that season, were going to be furloughed because of the pandemic and you fought back, you came back. And I love that about you. You came in, you, you addressed it even in the studio on the show that day. I'll never forget what I believe was faith filled response to a difficult scenario. That's what you did that day. So Pete Fulch is with me. Welcome back, Pete. Thank you, Mike. Great to be here. Thank you again. Thank you listeners. And with us also is Mark Goldstein. He's in the studio and he's here because we just completed a taping of Mark's show that's going to be on this coming Saturday. Absolutely. And, you know, I got to share a little bit of a backstory. Oh, I love backstories. Take it away, man. About two weeks before he was furloughed, I was at his place of business then and we were having lunch. And he shared with me that God had put on his heart to start his own company, but he was wrestling on the timing when he should jettison from that company and go out on his own. Now that is a cool backstory. Two weeks later, I found out that the mama bird had kicked the baby bird out of the nest (laughs) because the mama bird knew that the baby could fly and he did. You know, I've heard this so many times where people will say that a person who did them wrong actually did me a favor. And, and that's, that, you know, maybe that's not exactly fitting in this, but that concept of something good coming from something that seems so bad in the beginning uh, is, is part of our life, right? That's, that's so correct. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And we get put in challenging situations where we got to make an adjustment and God brings us through it and grows us through it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is so right. Now, one of the things that I want to talk about, because you do train, you are, and you're available as a consultant. Why don't you go ahead and give us your contact information now? We'll get it again at the end of this segment. If people would like to employ you, if they hear what you're saying today, and I know they will, they'll love it. They'll think, hmm, my company could benefit from this. How can they get in touch with you? Uh, thank you, Mike. They can get in touch with me for a number of ways. I've got my website, secondwindfinishstrong.com. Uh, they can also find me on LinkedIn. And uh, my, uh, my direct cell number, 407-733-8121. Wow. I always like that about you. You give that information right out there. You know, one of the things that I think a guy with your acumen, uh, even having heard what you and Mark will be talking about on his program this week, some of your experiences, you're a person that deals with companies and you've walked them through at the highest levels of managers, uh, different under management teams. And one thing that we know from the word of God, it, it's inevitable for us all. At times people get upset at another person. I mean, that's why we have HR departments, right? Mm-hmm. We have this human resource need to take care of, uh, of, of people who are working in our, our companies, but inevitably conflict is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I heard uh, uh, years ago about marriages. They said a, a, a proper marriage is not a marriage that is without conflict, but a great marriage is a marriage that has learned how to handle conflict. That's really true, isn't it? That is true, Mike. Absolutely. Relationships really are everything out there. And uh, part of as I, in, in, in my development as a leader and as in working through conflict in some of the roles I've had in the HR world, um, uh, 
there was a parenting book years ago uh, that Josh McDowell um, uh, wrote, and it's it's called How to Be a Hero to Your Kids. And the basic premise of that book is rules without relationships lead to rebellion. Oh, man, okay? that's good. Rules with relationship, okay, lead to respect. And so, uh, and I've, I've, I've taken that and I've, I've used it in, in my training. I've used it as I've worked with other managers to say, you know what, as you're working with your team, you really need to build relationships. Relationships uh, impact how well you're able to manage the conflict. Because again, in a, with a group of individuals, we don't all agree on everything. How do we, how do we make this work? And um, so the, 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 the context of the relationship that's there impacts the success of working through that conflict. You know, I've seen things like this, and either of you guys respond to this, but I've seen it where a, a business owner, let's say he calls in an employee, uh, and I've, I've heard about it, I've counseled people as a pastor in the aftermath of one of these meetings, but what happens is, invariably, uh, a business guy will call in his employee and really rim him out is what my dad used to say, just, or he would use the word ream. He reamed me out royally, you would say. <laughs> he really just chewed him up and spit him out. And it, it wasn't maybe even that what the, the manager or the owner said was wrong. Maybe the guy really had screwed up. He'd really made a mess. But he did not have what you just mentioned while ago. He didn't have that relationship. He didn't have that uh, that point of receivability from the employee to, to survive such an intense confrontation. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I I mean if you are a leader out there and uh, working with you and, and feedback, feedback employees welcome feedback in the context of you know what I want to help you I want to help you get better. And one of the detailed things that I like to teach when it comes to giving feedback is it's a small little take, uh, little uh, technique uh, called uh, like best and next time. All right. Like best, nothing. Today in your performance on the job, this is what I like best. From what I saw, from what I observed, this is what I like best. To take it yet to the next level, next time, okay, and there's where you get into your correction on the feedback of where, where, where they need to improve. So like best and next time I encourage any of your leader, your leaders out there, whoever's working, working with giving feedback to your kids, giving feedback to your employees. That is a powerful piece because again, it's putting that in a position of I'm helping you working through this performance issue. That's awesome. That's a really good word. You know, I wonder how, how many people, if they could sit and look at everything they said to others in a day and say, well, how would I have received what I just said? Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that's pretty eye-opening. I think always to look at something and try to be positive with a person before you are just you know addressing their, I like yeah. the old 80-20 rule. And uh, this is something I heard years ago with regarding to parenting. There's so much that you can apply from parenting in the business world if if you really think about it. It works well. But there should be 80% of encouragement for every 20% of correction. I think that's a good Mm -hmm. rule. That is. That really is. Yeah. So, Pete, in your experience, give us beyond uh, like this or next time, what are some of the top things that an employee should consider before they know they've got this inevitable meeting, they've got to talk about something that went wrong with an employee? What should they consider? What should they do? How should they prepare before that meeting? That's a great question. Um, a number of things. Uh, first of all, the environment. Where are you meeting? Um, and I, if you want to meet somewhere where it's comfortable to talk, and but not so private that what's going on behind it. So, uh, so in, in my world of the restaurants, like to have that either in a closed section of the dining room, still fairly public but still private. Um, there were situations where I had uh, open glass in a conference room, and I know in some of my previous uh, corporate experiences, that's why a lot of the conference rooms have that glass. So it, it's it's private yet it's not that private. Mm-hmm. Your body language says a lot. Mm. So leaning in, 
making contact, eye contact, then the head nod of uh, affirmation, meaning not necessarily I agree with you, but I'm understanding you. So I am, I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm listening. And 80-20 probably to listening also because you want to take that time. It, you're communicating. You're doing it in a sincere way. When we talk about techniques, this is not about being manipulative. This is about your genuineness and saying, you know what? I'm here to help you. We're on the same team. Mm-hmm. And I've and in, my, in my employee relations days, I've had to remind employees, you know what? We're on the same team. Okay, so we, 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 we can work this out. So, Pete, when I've been in leadership roles and I had to meet with an employee, what I always did was came out from behind my desk and I would sit Excellent. at a table across from them or next to them and remove the bounty. That is something that's good to do. Excellent. Ex- absolutely. You don't want to have that big mahogany desk or whatever your desk <laughs> is there, kind of be that, be, be that barrier coming out. And having that uh, and that one-on-one with an employee or whatever the situation is, is yeah, you don't want to have that barrier talking behind something. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Mark. Yeah, you, they can look at you like you're a judge, and that is the bench. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, you don't want that. Definitely don't want that. <laughs> you don't want to, and let's approach the bench, counselor, because I'm about ready to sentence you. <laughs> that's not good. What about the employee? What can an employee do if they know they've got an appointment coming up with their boss over a, a squabble that happened in the office? How can they prepare their hearts for the inevitable confrontation? Well, and you mentioned a key word there, prepare your heart. And um, sometimes emotion can get in the way of how you're viewing things and how you see things. And so, um, so I want to make sure my heart is right. I'm seeing this from the proper perspective and I'm, especially as an employee reporting to my supervisor and wanting, to, and, and, you know, God puts us in different positions where we, we, we've got conflict, we've got challenge. So what is it that I can do to communicate and not just communicate, but also validate that I'm, I, I, I want to help you. I want I'm part of the team. I'm here to help not hurt. I'm here to rally the team and be a team player versus I want my way and my way only kind Mm -hmm. of thing. What do you think it's so hard for people to do that? Why is that? That's a great question. I guess a question and we can get, we can get sideways. We can just kind of get sideways and you know, we get bombarded in this world we live in with a lot of just negativity and people down on you know, down on various situations out there, the negativity that can come sometimes come through the media, through the news, through social media. And, um, you know, not to get too much on the psychological thing, but the, the hurt people hurt other people. Mm-hmm. And so if you're, if, you're, if you're in a position where your heart is hurting, you're not going to be as receptive to the idea of, I want to help somebody else out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so that right. may be causing some of that. Yeah, I think it's human nature too. Okay. I mean, we all we all uh, whether we want to admit it or not, we're ready at times for a good fight, and that is that's just the wrong attitude to have. Right. Staying humble of heart and being approachable. I I remember a a preacher used this, and at first I thought, oh, you can't say that, can you? From the pulpit, he said, what God is looking for is fat people. And what he explained that meant was faithful, available, and teachable. And so that last word, teachable, really has to do with how well we receive instruction, how well we receive confrontation or correction. Are we teachable? I'm wondering, too, because, Pete, I know you're a big Zig Ziglar fan. And I remember once hearing him say uh, he got home and he was in a real bad, bad mood and he took it out on the cat. And so he would always talk about who kicked your cat. Right. And because the the cat wasn't the problem, it was everything that happened during that day that brought it up to it. So I'm wondering when you're talking, Mike, your question as far as how does somebody prepare, I would think maybe trying to clean the slate. Yeah. Getting rid of uh, a lot of the, the, the baggage right. that may have made you irritable or put you in a certain way before going in the meeting. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and just reminding ourselves, there's really, 
There's not many things that we are in total control of, but there are two things that we are in complete control of, and that is our attitude and our effort. Pete, that is so right. Mm. That is so good. And you know, our attitude, that is something that is is as close to us as as our thoughts. And yet, if we're not careful, we pay very little attention to what's really going on. And you mentioned body language. Our attitude mm-hmm. can be expressed in body language, mm-hmm. our facial uh, grimaces that we make, or the rolling of our eyes. That's a common one that kids do. Tone with of their voice. Parents. Tone of voice. All of that. What role do you see? How how helpful uh, can this be from your standpoint, from a professional trainer? Can a person's uh, preparation going in? It seems like it would be major. Would that? Would you agree to that? I agree. That is major. Absolutely. You want to be prepared and prayed up. Also prayed up. Yep. Absolutely. So it it does, in other words, make a difference if a person stops thinks, prays, and maybe some soul searching. Yeah. And, and you know, we, 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 we kind of say in the restaurant business, you can't unscramble scrambled eggs. <laughs> so what's, what's done is done. Um, I can't go back and redo yesterday mm-hmm. or redo last week or last month, but what can I learn from it? And I, 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 is there something I need to forgive in the, you know, with what 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 happened, or because I've I've heard folks say, well, wait, I I, for, I have forgiven, but I I still remember it. Well, remember the event or mm-hmm. whatever that hurtful event was. Remember it as forgiven. Now, forgiven—that's such a biblical concept. You know, I'm wondering how many times in the world since we're living in this day and age that's so post-Christian in, in so many areas. That's that is a very strange to a lot of people a very strange concept, isn't it? It is. It is. To forgive. Right. People apologize. Don't you hate it when you hear people say this? Well, if you feel, I'm sorry if you feel I did something wrong. Yeah. Friends, that's not forgiveness. That's not, that's not even a true apology. (laughs) You're not even saying I did anything wrong. Uh, You feel that I did something wrong. It's your problem. (laughs) That's really what that means. Right. Yes. So take ownership for the role you had in whatever that situation was and say, you know what? I'm sorry. And I resolve not to let this happen again. That's good. I like it when a person can honestly look at a person in the eye and say, I I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? There's a, a powerful exchange that happens right there when forgiveness is given. And if folks listen to the show this Saturday, they're going to learn 13 points of how to be excellence. And one of them is how to forgive. That's the shepherd at work at 10 Oh five this coming Saturday with Pete Fulch and my good friend, Mark Goldstein. It's great having you here, Pete. Thank you. And Mark as well. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mark. And thank you to your listeners. It's been a pleasure to be on the show today. Uh, your advice is always great. Give us your website. Uh, once again, secondwindfinishstrong.com. Uh, secondwindfinishstrong.com. Yep. Pete Fulch, my guest, will be back in a moment. This is Afternoons with Mike. EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, EC Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, Call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. If you've considered the natural beauty of a wood floor, then go with a winner. Ability Wood Flooring has been a trusted source and family-owned and operated since 1950. Ability Wood Flooring is voted best of the best and are featured on A&E's Zombie House Flipping. Ability proudly works with Florida's top builders, winning many awards in the Parade of Homes. Get a free design consultation today. AbilityWoodFlooring.com Back again here on Afternoons with Mike and with me in the studio right now, Stephanie O'Connor. She's the state coordinator for Letitia's House, Florida. That's a long-term residential program for victims of human trafficking. We've had Elizabeth Ameling up here a couple of times. Always a very interesting chat with Elizabeth. 
My first time to meet Stephanie. Welcome back. Thank you so or, much. I should say <laughs> welcome here. Uh, I feel like I know everybody at Letitia's house. It's been such a really great opportunity to talk and to know Elizabeth and Benny and Cherie Phillips, who are just good friends. Yeah. And uh, my first time to get to meet you today. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so I am a long-term uh, Central Florida resident, um, born and raised here, and went to school at uh, University of Central Florida. So um, been here for a long time, got my master's um, in social work at UCF, and Basically, I was trying to figure out um, what I was doing after I got my master's and didn't know exactly where I wanted to go. Um, so I decided to apply for the Peace Corps. And in 2015, I went to the Peace Corps in Lesotho. Uh, most people don't know where that is. It's a small country in South Africa, uh, surrounded by South Africa. Um, so I did that from 2015 to 2017 and um, worked on uh, HIV and AIDS awareness and education. But within that, I worked a lot with women and uh, children and the vulnerabilities. Um, and then I came back and was trying to figure out what I was doing next after that. Mm -hmm. And I knew human trafficking was my, um, I had a passion for it. I kind of developed that before. And so I was looking around for what I would do. And it was recommended to me to um, start volunteering with One-to-One uh, -one Hope out of Northland Church. And while I was doing that, I started doing victim advocacy with them. And um, then Letitia's house came around and I started kind of helping that house to, to come here. And then I got asked to be the state coordinator. Wow. That's a pretty quick um, walk up. All of those years in Africa, did others that you were aware of do um, something like that? I've kn known more people now who have done it. I've, I run into people. Um, at the time, I had one person I knew from school who at the same time was going into another country. I mean, it is they are pretty selective, too, with, with it. There's It's a long process of the application. I the would whole. think it'd have <laughs> yeah. to be, yeah. You find yourself not only there, immersed in their culture, immersed in their language, yes. but then you're there all alone. Yeah. That's uh, that's got to a little be a little scary for you. Yes, I mean definitely. Now they do a great job of. We did three months of training in country as a cohort, um, learning the language, culture classes, um, how to brush your teeth classes. Mm -hmm. um, I mean everything, and we, um, yeah. So they they really train you in on what you're doing, um, but then yeah, you are you are kind of out there by yourself. Um, I wasn't as remote as some people, but there are some people who are very remote out there. How long did it take you to get accustomed to all that? Um, honestly, I would probably say almost uh, a little over six months because I actually at one point almost left because yeah. of, of going into the site and just the rogueness of it all and um, expectations. And so I almost left and decided finally not to leave. And um, I'm so glad I didn't. I'm amazing experience. Nothing will ever be like that. So. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that there are plenty of people that do get over there in countries, not feeling safe, not feeling comfortable. I don't know what the, is there a contract involved or is it? Um, it's a commitment. You make a 27 month commitment. Um, but there really is. I mean, if, if there's something that happens, whether it's for safety reasons or because you just don't, um, you don't you like leave. it. Right. Mm -hmm. So there is an out then. They don't have to stay against their will or whatever. Definitely not. Uh, what did you do when you were there? So, yeah, I worked um, primarily with youth. Um, my kind of position was called healthy youth. Um, and it was yeah HIV and AIDS awareness. Uh, Lesotho was number two in the uh, world for um, rates of HIV and AIDS. And so I worked with, um, I mean, 12 years old and up to educate, doing different life skills classes, um, but also just talk about what is HIV and AIDS, how to prevent it, the vulnerabilities that um, you see that happens there, um, especially with uh, young women and girls. Um, so that, that was a lot. And so different camps I got to do there um, and working with other Peace Corps volunteers to team up and do things together on that. Um, I taught in the schools, taught mm -hmm. in the community, in the villages. Now, when the word about AIDS came up, 
back in, I guess, in the 80s, mm-hmm. when we started learning what we know today, I mean, it was a lot different back then, much more fear, uh, the fear of the th- you know, how it would spread, how it transmits one person to another. And and now it seems like you don't hear as much about it as you did back in that day. Uh, and obviously we know more than we did back then. Yeah. What was it like when you were there just about six, seven years ago? What was the country? How are they dealing with it? Do you feel like they're winning that battle of awareness or is it still going the wrong way? Um... I would say, I mean, there was definitely a lot of things we'd always talk about how, you know, just because of being a, they were a developing country and, you know, the United States is a first world country, there's definitely some education that is behind on some awareness and resources. I mean, the resources that we have here, I think it's why we don't talk about it so much is there is a lot of access to to different things here. There's not so much there um, and a lot of the aid is actually foreign aid that comes in. Um, so it was definitely, it's, it was a conversation you'd hear a lot more and their talk of HIV and AIDS happened a lot more, but there was still a lot of things um, not, not so known. Even, even talking about different um, proper care maybe for your body mm-hmm. and everything and just kind of going through those and um, making sure people yeah, took care of themselves. and. Well, I know you were probably glad to get back to the good old USA, huh? It was uh, bittersweet. I mean, it's always, you know, there was times where it's like, oh, I can't wait to go home and just not have to bathe in a bucket and, you know, not have to wash my clothes with my hands and um, (laughs) air conditioning and all this stuff. Uh, But then, of course, as you're getting closer to it, it's always a, a hard moment of leaving this community that you've built. No doubt. No doubt. And it is um, a part of your life, like you said, that you'll never forget. For sure. And when you travel, when you're in another country, whether it's a short-term mission trip or like you were, again, there for 27 months, uh, that's a part of your heart, part of your life, part of your story. Yeah. Now, you said that while you were there, you also worked with people. Would that be in the trafficking area as well? So not directly. Um just, I think, safety-wise and, you know, Peace Corps being a U.S. government volunteer agent, uh, agency or program, um, it wasn't in a direct sense, but indirectly there was a lot of st- things that I did, especially because working with women and girls, you're talking about the vulnerabilities. And unfortunately, in the country, that country, um, they're a beautiful, great country, beautiful, great people, but mm-hmm. there was a little bit more of a patriarchal um, since that came with some um, some more situations of uh, women getting taken advantage of more often and um, the the look at, you know, with young girls even walking to school and, and those different things and, and risks that they take, um, as well as uh, there was a lot of alcoholism and st- things that you see with that and um, people not working. And so there's a lot of idle time and so you just all those are just risk factors that kind of correlate with stuff we see with uh, human trafficking. Now, in this trafficking thing is a big deal. It's a big deal all over the world. Yes. It's a surprisingly big deal in Florida. Yes. I think a lot of people are just maybe unaware of how prevalent it is, even in Orlando. Yes. Yes. I mean, we it's human trafficking. The term in general is such a new thing for us although it's modern day slavery it's the oldest you know one of the oldest things in the book um you know since biblical times uh but it's the term human trafficking and what it is has really only come into light i would say in the last 10 12 years Mm -hmm. um in my undergrad i remember doing a little bit of that's when my interest of human trafficking came on but there was not the resources that we had now or even the conversations only some of the laws came in, you know, more recent years. Um, but yeah, and so with that, there's been more um, statistics that Orlando, we're, we're a huge hub, the I-4 corridor between Orlando and Tampa. You know, when you think about the lack of understanding that many people have, I know growing up, I mean, we did. We've heard of terms that would be all part still of the current day um, sex trafficking trade, but that's what it would have been 
referred to back then mm-hmm. is like sex, the sex industry or, right. or people in prostitution who had a pimp and this kind of, those would be terms that people were able to do. I, I think what has become much more now uh, on the, the, the front of the mind of many people is that a lot of people who are actually in that industry were not there or are not there because of their own choosing, but they were, they were in some ways apprehended. They were trapped and pushed into this whole thing. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're living a life that few of us can even comprehend. 100%. And so my, I mean, and I'll even say from mine, uh, when I was getting into this, you know, learning about it and just more involved in the anti-trafficking, I even had that, you know, mindset at the time of the movie Taken. That's, this is what I always use because it's kind of our best portrayal of it, um, where that is so, you know, uh, there's stuff that happens and people do get physically taken and there's horrific stories that we hear. Um, but that's not the reality of what I see in, you know, my day to day working as a victim advocate or in, you know, working in a residential program. Um, it's, it's a lot of these vulnerabilities that, you know, primarily women is who I work with. It, it happens to all um, ages and all sexes, but primarily with uh, women and um, girls, it's these vulnerabilities of um, whether it's addictions and substance abuse, childhood sexual trauma, and all of this, that um, different things lead to these getting involved with people, you mm-hmm. know, whether it's this boyfriend that becomes this, what we call the Romeo pimp, and he um, uses his his charm to then exploit her, or just like you said, trapped. Um, there's a lot of physical bondage, but it's also the mental bondage that I, I see, and sometimes that's worse. Well, they're lied to, they're told over and over that nobody, including mm-hmm. their parents, would want them anymore because they're there. So they they entice them in, sometimes, like you said, with this Romeo kind of real nice, I'm such a wonderful person. Then they, they're in, and it's the Jekyll and Hyde, the person's real character yeah. or lack thereof comes out, and now they're trapped, and they're lied to and coerced in a way. And then what they go through, I mean, I've had, I don't know how many interviews and involvements with uh, leaders who are in this this kind of a ministry as Letitia's House mm-hmm. uh, that would say the stories they 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 come fast they come furious they're different mm-hmm. very few times are they identical in how they happen but they all wrap around this thing of being just living in a, a, a horrible situation of disease, of fear, of beatings, of, of uh, manipulation. Yeah. And thank God there are many, many places like Letitia's house where once a person can escape, and that's how uh, I know in talking to Elizabeth, that's how this whole thing happened, was they stumbled upon on an, on an outing. Elizabeth is out with a bunch of young people. Yeah. And this young girl named Letitia, mm-hmm. I think, what, was she 14 or something like that? Well, it was actually, they thought she was younger. And that was that was the whole thing, is she thought she was this young girl who was out on the streets. And um, the funny thing Liz always says is she called her husband and said, Jeff, uh, we need to, you know, get this girl out of here. Like, can we can we bring her home? And he said, Liz... That's called kidnapping. You can't, <laughs> yeah. you know, and yeah. but eventually they went and they talked to her and she said, you know, yeah, that that guy over there is, is my pimp. And um, basically, it turns out she was a, a a woman who just was so like malnourished and maltreated. And, and she looked young. She looked young. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but they did. They rescued her. They did. They got her away from that guy. They took her to a place that offered help. And it was from that initial experience yes. that God birthed in Elizabeth this desire, a vision, uh, a, a dream that became true of opening up a home for not only Letitia, but people like her. Yes. And that was, first of all, in what, Pennsylvania? Um, that was in... Or Virginia. So Virginia is where they opened it up. Mm-hmm. The, the original um, was... I believe they were in a, on a trip in Chicago. Yes, it was Chicago. Yes. Not Pennsylvania. That's right. Yes. Yeah, right. So she has this home there in Virginia, 
And then uh, just through the providence of God, through meeting people, through relationships from the Virginia past, uh, Elizabeth has this opening to come down to Orlando and open up this home. And it's been around now for about three years, right? Yeah, uh, 2019, February 2019. Over three years. mm -hmm. And uh, I I know this event, we're coming up on a break here in a few minutes, but there's always, at this time of year, an annual fundraising banquet. And it's a nice one, too. So it's a full evening. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? We'll cover that again next uh, session. But go ahead and tell us a little bit about the banquet. Awesome. Yeah, it's um our Letitia's House Florida Citrus Gala. Um, it's we do it at the Citrus Club, and um it's on October eighth of this year, and it's a beautiful evening of um we have a multi course dinner, we do a silent auction, we have a great auctioneer who's a lot of fun who does a live auction, um, and you know it's just a great time to bring people together of awareness and just community, um. But also it's a time to share a little bit about what we do. Um, we always have somebody, a, for confidentiality reasons, we don't have somebody specifically come on and do their um, their testimony, but we've always done a testimony video mm-hmm. and um, just to share a little bit about what we what we do, who we are. And um, but yeah, it's, it's a the thing that I especially I remember last year, a lot of people were like, this is so much fun. And and that's yes, the human trafficking isn't fun. And surrounding it but let's come together to raise money to help and and let's have fun while we're doing it while we're you know raising awareness it's a great cause stephanie o'connor is my guest we'll be back with her in a moment don't go away this is afternoons with mike are you looking for the right franchise to open your own business green flag franchise has the experience and knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values is your business ready to become a franchise Green Flag Franchise will help you explore the potential and benefits of franchising your existing company. For a free consultation and coaching, visit GreenFlagFranchise.com. That's GreenFlagFranchise.com. Palm Beach Atlantic University Orlando offers three distinct areas of study. An evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Turning 65 or already on Medicare? Have you tried to compare Medicare supplement plans? Are you sick and tired of the awful TV commercials where washed-up football players confuse you even more? Speak with a licensed independent insurance agent today. Call 407 407- 965-4166 now or visit Affordable One Insurance in Winter Park, Florida and discuss what is important for you. Be sure to ask us about dedicated senior medical centers. Stephanie O'Connor is my guest today from Letitia's house. And uh, Stephanie is here talking about not only this great organization in Orlando as well as up in Virginia, but they have a special banquet that's coming up, a gala. And it's an annual event. It's a fundraising event. So a lot is riding, really. A lot of the year-long programs and just the way you guys are able to reach out are really dependent on a wonderful night in October. And that's what's headed again from the beautiful Citrus Club. That is one of the nicest places around to have a a party like this. The view is amazing. And uh, you have a silent auction able to raise funds for this. And I, you were at the end of the last segment, Stephanie, we were talking about the fact that it's a fun evening for a, a need that is anything but fun. Right. And, and that is really a good way to describe it. But the people that are being served, they look at, at everything that's happening to them now mm-hmm. compared to what they've gone through. Yeah, they'd say, yeah, this is still fun to be where I am right now compared to what I was in before. Not only squalor conditions, but dangerous, uh, potentially fatal conditions for people. And it's happening all around the world. And again, uh, at our own shopping malls in Florida, Mm -hmm. there are often sites for kidnappings or more commonly 
of introductions to people that yep. kind of worm their way into the the girl's life, and then the first thing you know, they are sucked into the business. Yeah, and sometimes carted away in another part of the world where they're hard to find. Yes. So this is something now, how has Letitia's house changed since you first became aware of it? Um, how has Letitia's house changed? Um, or grown. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, we're, we're growing every day. Um, there's just, you know, the more you get into something, the more you realize, um, just, like I was saying earlier, I how much I've grown in in this and just education about what is trafficking and the best way to serve. And that's where we're so passionate is best practices. And we're really passionate about trauma-informed care. And honestly, from 2013, when it started in Virginia to now, trauma-informed care and best practices do change. And so just making sure we're staying up on that and, um, you know, what is it to look like the and working with survivors to know what is it that's going to best help you or survivors who have kind of been out for a long time and got help is what did help you? What did not help you? You know, what was the best part? And so constantly looking at that and saying, how can we best help these, these women that we're working with and making sure they're getting everything that they need to empower them to make the change for themselves. Now we were talking during the break, your own parents uh, came to the U S from the islands, Mm -hmm. Trinidad, Tobago, and you're now uh, an American citizen living here. Your background is not like what these backgrounds are. Uh, how does that, for someone that came from, let's say, a home with uh, that was solid, right. uh, with a, a nuclear family is what you had, mm-hmm. uh, was this shocking? I know you had a heart for caseworking. Obviously, that's why you went to college to get the degree that you did. But was this getting up close like this? Was it a shock to you? Um, I think from if I was like learned about this maybe in high school and even, you know, before it probably would have. I think in the years of, like you said, going through school, you start to to learn. Um, but overall, I think, again, the awareness or my thought of what trafficking was is way different than when I started. I thought it was just people being kidnapped out of you know, walking down the street versus there are families, yes, that are so much different than mine. And there are people so much, you know, we're, we're all different, but different vulnerabilities, things that I never had to deal with. Um, um, so grateful that I didn't have to deal with. I am too. Yeah. Yes. Grateful for you. Yes. And, and I, I had a recent interview with someone whose own mother, her, her own birth mother mm-hmm. pushed her into the trafficking. Yeah. And uh, that's really, it's hard to get our brain around. For those of us that don't have anything like that in our background, it's really hard to conceive, isn't it? No, actually, you're so right on that is um, familial trafficking, unfortunately, is something that we we do see more often than we would like to, of course. Um, And a lot of times people, again, going into uh, substance abuse and um, mothers that have sold their, their daughters in order to to get whatever that that drug is that they need um or want yes yeah. or want yes yeah and unfortunately yeah that is a huge reality and that is that is something that i'd say i mean i i could yes never imagine going through that situation and having a, a family doing that so so that that learning about that was definitely um took me back a little bit so let's fast forward now to your interactions with some of the people who have been rescued by Letitia's House. I'm talking today to Stephanie O'Connor from Letitia's House in Orlando. And these people that you're getting to know that's that's gone through the program, maybe been there a year or so now, mm-hmm. and they're getting healthier, they're getting stronger, they're getting more settled. What is it like now for you to see them and uh, compare where they were now, where they are now to when they first came in the program? Yeah. Well, the beautiful thing is it's working with them to see where they were now from where they are and getting to talk with them about that and having these monthly meetings where we do this individualized service plan and getting to see this progress that they said they wanted to do. They create their their plans. And but it is it's it's so beautiful seeing someone come in who um, maybe, you know, had a lot of flashbacks and just over the year of 
you know, that's that number is reduced or because of the counseling they've gotten while they're here, they're able to use those techniques when they do. Um, I've had ladies who haven't been able to really eat and then they could start, you know, eating and feel safe to eat. Yes. Yeah. Um, And even, you know, sometimes the, the funny thing we say is, you know, when someone comes first, they might be really complacent and they kind of listen to all the, the different things that we have in place for, for their protection. And as they start getting more used to it, they start voicing things. And to me, that's a beautiful thing because it's showing you're getting your voice back and you are, you know, being comfortable where you are. And so asking questions about th- different things or what you're doing or, or even just asking or telling us your needs and your wants, um, just just that empowerment that 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 they have now um, is just so incredible to see. The people that will be coming and those people that have been supporting Letitia's house all along, I, I know for those of you that are working there, that has to really mean a whole lot, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, we cannot do this without community. Um, you know, we can't do this without other organizations around. Um, but it really is. It, it takes a village. It takes a community. Um, we're a, a small house. We're a small staff. And it's it's the volunteers that we have. It's the financial support. It's the donations of clothes and toiletries um, that really make us run. We, we wouldn't run without those people that we have that come to the gala who, who share the awareness of Letitia's house of human trafficking. Um, yeah, they're, they're a huge part of this. Now Letitia's is for women, right? Yes. And yet there are homes like Letitia's that also serve young men uh, because people think that it's all only women that are trafficked, but that's not the case, right? It's not the case at all. Unfortunately, there isn't, a lot out there and that's i mean we could still use so many more beds for survivors of trafficking women men um but there is you know there is still a stigma with uh men and with trafficking and, and even those the numbers of probably reports are probably way less than we we know because of all the stigma um and there is there are some but there's just not as much as we need for sure mm-hmm. well we can pray for that one that's a big one Definitely. and what do you, when you look back over the landscape of the last couple of years, what do you think has been the most, let's say, hope-causing or faith-filling actions that are going on either at Letitia's or maybe across the country that really uh, are, are a good sign for you guys? I just think, I mean, there's just been so much more education and talk about it that, you know, when you put something into light, you have to deal with it. You know, ignorance is bliss. But once you know about it, um, you know, this is this is one of those topics that there's not really any other side that you can, I think, argue about about human trafficking. I think everybody is pretty much in agreement that human trafficking is is a horrible thing that happens, that it's literally there's just a few people benefiting from it um, for only greed purposes. And so I think there's just a, an overall um want to help it's just sometimes people don't know how to help and so that's where you know we're coming in asking for the help and and we need the help for sure yeah give us all the details one more time if you will yeah so on october 8th um 2022 in a couple of weeks we have our letitia's house florida citrus gala um it's an evening it's a 5 to 9 p.m um night of uh coming and there's a silent auction we have a beautiful dinner it's at the citrus club in downtown orlando a, a beautiful place um and so a, a beautiful multi-course dinner um then we also have this awesome auctioneer who comes in and we do a live auction um he also does a, a call to action at the end um but and then we have live music so it's just a a, a fun time to come and talk about like i said a hard issue um, but just to come together as a community, we have sponsorship opportunities. We have tickets available um, Yeah, to come in and just really learn about what we do. Um, we, we share uh, some videos about what we do. We talk about what we do and just getting together and, and maybe even seeing sometimes people what they can do. Now, you mentioned the needs uh, that Letitia's house would have, and I know some of uh, those needs will be met with, obviously, the funds that are going to be coming in. Mm -hmm. When you look, what are some of the things that you're hoping to branch out in in 2023? So one of the big um, projects that we've had on 
that's that's been there and it's just one of those things is getting that funding is we want to expand to something called hope village and this is again one of those uh elizabeth our founder is such a visionary and wants to expand on what we do in, in Letitia's house is great um and we have a great program a great residential program but what we're seeing is there's sometimes longer term needs you know trauma doesn't just happen overnight and it doesn't happen in a year um and takes several years and of working through severe trauma and then years and years still of, of just going through the coping skills and using them. And so we want to expand the services that we can offer past our res- residential program to more transitional living um, and creating a, what we call it, uh, Hope Village, um, our community where after somebody graduates Letitia's house or a program like Letitia's house, mm-hmm. they can go on with their uh, with themselves and their children um, and be able to live in a community where it's not as uh, a little bit more open than the structure of our program now, a little bit more independent, but still have the community there to support and keep accountable um, while they're helping themselves and their children. That's beautiful. I know that uh, that's probably on the website, Made the Dream for that. Is that, can people learn more about that on the website? Yes, there is definitely some information on that. Um, We have a a wonderful video that should be on, I believe, on YouTube um, or under our YouTube on Letitia's House to talk about Hope Village. Um, But it's something that we're looking to do in Virginia and Florida. Um, One of the big things is looking for the the space to do it. Mm -hmm. Always a need. And uh, uh, obviously the need for funding is there. And that's the purpose for this. It's the gala for Letitia's. That's spelled L-A-T-I-S-H-A apostrophe S. Letitia's house, uh, originally founded by Elizabeth Aimling and Stephanie O'Connor has been kind enough to come in and talk to us today and to bring us up to date. And we thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. Well, you're certainly welcome. And we pray the best for you at this big gala. Give us that address, the web address one more time where people can go. So if you go on to www.letitiashouse.com, you can go in there and it talks about events and you can pull down um, the Florida Citrus Gala, and I'll take you to the link for tickets and sponsorships. There you go. You can get involved that way as well. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much, Mike. And we'll see you all next time right here on Afternoons with Mike. <laughs>